Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the Good Gardening Stroll shortly, but right now you can give a call. James will be answering the phone. He's a producer today. 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is Saturday morning, and we get together and have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your landscape. Whether it's your house plants, that's not part of your landscape. That's just part of your indoors. Maybe they go outside for the summertime. What is potting mix? How to improve your soil? Should you be pruning this time of year? What are those bugs? Well, how come there's spiders all over my mugo pine? What's that mean? Are those spider mites or are those just spiders? Uh, using information to make good decisions. My thoughts hopefully will help orchestrate the and solidify your options with the final judgment obviously going to be on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me to, into your home, car, wherever you happen to be listening. As I said before, another important player today is James. He's producing. He pushes all the buttons, and he answers the phone. So if you do call in, all he needs is your first name and where you're calling from. By the way, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. That was in the last century. And I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like to schedule one or have one or give one as a gift, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Large piles of soil. Oh, fill the athletic field near home plate. A sign explains, though, please excuse our mess. This is Tower Grove Park is adding soil to improve the topography and the drainage of the athletic fields. And the athletic fields will reopen next year, 2022. Then the soil came from a restoration of the historic stream, which is on the east side of the park, which was eliminated a long time ago, and now they've re, they're reworking it. And this is you know at the entrance of uh, King's Highway between Magnolia and Arsenal. And there are signs, still some of the downed trees. Tower Grove Park had a lot of trees that were down. There's very little debris left, but boy, there are still a lot of fantastic trees, be it ginkgo, be it bald cypress, be it sweet gum, be it maples, and much, much more. 
The entrance here on Kings Highway has stone columns and walls that curve. Historic building sign says this is a private residence. Hmm. There's wrought iron gate and fence that adds a really nice touch. There's a circular bed right along Kings Highway. It's surrounded by neatly mowed lawn and a canna, Tropicana. That's a type of canna, and it's a canna that has great foliage as far as yellow with stripes, and then it will have orange flowers. There's also some lantana in there with other annuals as well. If you move in past the gate and past the building I was just describing, there's a triangular bed, which is part of the one way, go this way, one way, go that way, don't go this way, don't enter here, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, this triangular bed has a circular bed planted in the center too. It has an urn. The urn has petunias and an annual penicetum, (laughs) ornamental grass. And while I was standing there, I kept hearing, I started hearing this chirp, 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 chirp. And I looked around and there was a hummingbird checking out all the plant material. He said, oh, there's not really too much for me right here. He should go out closer to the street where the lantana is because I think the hummingbirds like the lantana. And uh, there's other plants in this bed space. There was coleus, periwinkle, and some more uh, of the annual type ornamental grasses. The edger was the limestone blocks, and cardinals were singing in the distance. Crickets were joining in as well. And the sign does remind that uh, 10 p.m. curfew and the speed limit is 20 miles an hour in Tower Grove Park. And the interesting thing is there's a couple old-time light posts there, and it uh, brings back a memory of mine. When I was a kid, we lived on Flat Avenue before we moved to Ellisville. We had those kind of uh, light posts that were made out of cement, and I remember I had a scratchy, itchy back. So I took my shirt off and tried to scratch my back on this light post, and I cut a lot of uh, grapes and uh, ooh, that was kind of dumb on my part. So anytime I see those light posts, I always think a flashback to when I was like in kindergarten or first, very first part of first grade. But anyway, it was a perfect way to start the day in Tower Grove Park today. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, give us a call. Yes, folks, as you look out your window, is there any questions going on? It is really dry. So you better make sure that you're watering not only your plants that are growing in containers, but your lawn, your perennial beds, your trees, your shrubs, everything. And uh, anything that's been recently planted within this year, just to be a little bit more conscious how the root system of those plants are not well established yet. So they probably need a little bit more moisture than the other plant material. But uh, I will probably, after the show today, do a few things, and then I will head home and probably do some uh, watering in the landscapes. Let's head over to Michelle's yard, and she lives in Troy. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Mike. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have, um, on my some of my flowers, they have like a white, substance on the stems and then underneath the leaves there's like a cottony substance and i spray it with seven and then all these little white things fly away (laughs) what is that and how do i control it uh basically it's an insect and so what you're doing is about all you can really do so the cottony stuff if it's i mean there's a type of scale it could be an aphid could be a couple different things it sounds like it's probably aphids though 
So in it's contact killer. So what you're doing is about all you can really do. I mean, you can use a systemic type insecticide where you put it and then it comes up through the veins of the through the root system, through the veins of the plant. But uh, that usually takes quite a while. And by that time this year, it might be past. Uh, it won't be past aphid season, but it'll be getting near the end of it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. That's kind of what I thought that was that was my only choice, but I right. appreciate it. Yeah, you can use rather than using seven. I mean, you can use an uh, you know insecticidal soap or something like that. You, but uh, seven's fine. One more question my husband just asked. If we use brush be gone on our poison ivy to get rid of it, does that all does that hurt the trees? Uh, basically, it's got to get into the foliage. You know, that's how it's absorbed into the plant material. So it should not, but still be very cautious. Okay. Thank you very much. I right. appreciate your show. Right. right. Thank you. Bye-bye. And when I'm saying being cautious, that means always before you apply anything, and this is not just, you know, brush killers or herbicides or fungicides or insecticides, read the labels entirely and understand what the labels are saying. Thanks, Michelle. And now let's go to Carol, and she lives in O'Fallon. Hi, Carol. Hi. How are you doing this morning? Very good. I have two questions. One, is it possible to take a cutting off of a friend's hydrangea bush and propagate that somehow? Uh, You could, but it's going to be forever and ever and ever. So if you want to do it because it has historic reverence for you, you could try it. What you need to do is get a potting mix for starting plant materials, and also you need to get a, a, a basically something that you're going to dip the actual cutting into, and it's going to cr- you know create a situation where it should start you know developing roots. Okay, but it's going to be a long process. Yes, very long. It's not going to. Oh. I mean, even big production nurseries take uh, several years, and these oh. you know. I'll go buy one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, second question. Uh, I've got some blackberries. When is the time to thin them out? They're done producing now. When's the time to thin them out, cut them back, or do whatever? I probably wouldn't do it yet, but, I, you know, towards the end of this month, you should be fine doing it then. And probably the best thing to do as far as thinning is look at the canes as they're coming up out of the ground, and the ones that are the biggest – Cut those out, get rid of those, leave the, the smaller ones in place if you can. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And let's go now over to Bill. And Bill lives in Centralia. Hi, Bill. Hey, how are you doing today? Very good. I got two questions. I have some kind of uh, something's attacking my knockout rose. I sprayed fungicide twice on it, but it's in various sections and it's it's slowly but surely destroying everything so what makes you think it's a fungicide or needs of or it's a fungus or bacteria or whatever well we put seven in and the fungicide both on it so it's not doing much better so is there is, is there some kind of uh now these are knockout roses you said yeah so is there some kind of strange growth coming up that, you know, with purple stems on it? No. No, nothing like that? Well, basically, you're doing as much as you possibly can then. So, it's a, you know, it's an unfortunate thing. So, you're losing big stems? Is that what's yeah, happening? some big stems. Right. 
So it's, uh, you know, and you're fertilizing, making sure they're getting correct yeah. watering and everything. Yeah. So you're doing everything just, I mean, all you can do, to be honest with you. I, You know, it, it's concerning in our soil because uh, we lost a giant firebush to the same kind of stuff. I don't know if it's soil-borne or what. It doesn't well. Generally, things that are going to you know, affect burning bushes or fire bushes or whatever, yeah. and roses is not going to be the same type okay. thing. And then the second thing I have is I have a uh, bonsai piney because or peony because uh, it's uh, where the dogs run. And I want to move it. When should I start moving and how should I move it? Basically, what you need to do is water it the night before you're going to dig it. And also make sure you know where you're going to move it and have that soil well prepared ahead of time. So, in other words, you don't dig it up. Then when you dig it up, you're going to just leave the root ball as a big mass and leave it sit above the ground for one day. And the reason why you're doing that is because when you first dig up peonies, the root systems are really brittle. And so then the, the chances of damaging them is going to be greater. So if they sit above ground overnight, then the root system will be more supple and there'll be less chance for damage. And then also when you plant it, you know, make sure the top where the eyes are uh, or if the stems are coming up off the root system is about an inch or so higher than the surrounding ground. and needs to be in a sunny location too. Okay, and then how deep should I dig my root ball? Uh, basically, you want to dig the root ball only because you're going to leave part of the root ball above the surrounding ground. You mean uh, when you're digging it up? Yeah. Uh, probably one, one full spade depth should be adequate. And go out about uh, two or three inches beyond where the, the furthest extension of the uh, stems are coming up. So you're going to get a pretty good-sized root ball if it's a mature plant. Okay. Thank you very much. And if... I have an old periwinkle, and it'd be a periwinkle, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. Okay, I'll let you go. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> yes, folks, and if you do have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have some phone lines open. And this is a time of year when you should start measuring your square footage, particularly for putting a pre-emergent out. And the pre-emergence you're going to be putting down is called, for, it's for your annual cool season weeds. And what these are, they're weeds that come up this, you know, basically in mid to late August. And they grow all through the wintertime and everything else. And when the weather starts, they're going to be flowering this whole time and they drop seeds. So if you've had any of these weeds in your landscape, like last year, henbit, common chickweed, annual bluegrass, prickly lettuce, Persian speedwell, rabbit's foot clover, uh, shepherd's purse. If you've had historically those in your landscape last year, then you thought they just disappeared. Yes, they did, because when the weather really gets warm, because they're a cool season annual weed, annual meaning they only live one year, but they drop seeds, and that's how they perpetuate themselves then you're going to have potentially problems and it's going to get worse and worse and worse each year. So what you need to do is measure the square footage of your lawn or your bed space. On the bed space, you're going to use a product called Preen. That's a good one for a pre-emergent in bed spaces. 
and then go to your favorite garden center and tell them you have weed problems, annual weed problems, and you want a pre-emergent for your lawn, and whatever product they have or whatever they recommend is probably the best thing. The reason why I mentioned preen versus other ones, that's the one I think you know actually does the best. So, the, again, the cool season annual weeds are going to start germinating towards later this month and early, you know, certainly early into September. So mid-August, mid-March, mid-August until uh, probably early September. Those seeds that have been sitting there the whole time are going to start exploding. So if you've had a weed problem with those particular weeds, make sure you get it taken care of. Let's head out to St. Charles now and go into Greg's yard. Hi, Greg. Hi, Mike. Um, I've got... uh uh, Japanese uh, maple, and it's um, it's browning up already in spots and clumps. Like leaves are browning up, whole whole uh, leaves of them, and then they're I, you know they're just browning up. And I think it's too early for that, isn't it? Well, not necessarily. With the way our screwy weather's been this year, uh, it, that could be probably the problem. It's more weather related than anything else. Okay, because it's pretty established. I mean, it's a big guy. It's probably twenty foot tall. You know, he's, right. Uh, pretty good okay i was just curious maybe i didn't know if i had some sort of something going on there no japanese maples are pretty you know pretty tough and everything else so i'm not saying they don't have any problems but generally they don't awesome all right mike thanks a lot sure my pleasure and now let's head into from st charles to town and country and going to tammy's yard hi tammy hello calling about uh shasta daisies and now that they're kind of dying back they bloom they're dying back uh and how exactly do you cut those back to get a second round of blooms on them? Uh, it's just going to be a roll of the dice. Basically, you need to cut the f- spent flowers off in the stem, you know, that was on the flowers, and just kind of keep your fingers crossed. There's and okay. the chances of it happening, uh, you know, is iffy, but you may get lucky. It, it's going to be dependent upon the weather. So the weather. Mother Nature determines a lot of the things, the successes we have. And just because you have a success doing one thing one year at this particular time doesn't mean the following year you're going to be able to do it at that same time because of our weather. Okay. So do you like to do that or not, or you just like to leave them for well, the birds? Or Yeah, I just leave, you know, I let them, uh-huh. you know, I leave them for the birds for the most part. And, mm-hmm. you know, I... On the Shasta daisies, I kind of like the foliage, so I just enjoy that. And it's the okay. foliage will stay pretty green. Okay. Yeah, they look good. I've just never cut them back, but I was thinking about doing that this year to see what happens. So, well, okay. if, you have, if you have multiple clumps of them, you might mm-hmm. just try one clump and see, see what the re- end result is. Yeah, that's a good idea. I do have that. Okay, thanks so much. Sure, my pleasure. Okay. Bye. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We'll be back after these messages. The Cards and Royals are back at it again tonight. Game two of their three-game series. And you can hear it here. Ameren Pregame Show 520. First pitch 615 on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. KMOX and KMOX.com. Yes, folks, it is August. We're the first weekend of August, and this is the toughest month for your cool season lawns, whether they be fescues or bluegrasses. And uh, you're just going to have to be really—I mean, really realistic about this whole thing. There's nothing you can really do. Extra watering or anything else is not going to make a difference. It's a whole factor of environmentals. That's temperature, it's humidity, it's all kinds of other things. 
and cool season grasses, uh, they just don't uh, like it. But get ready because then in September when things start cooling down, that's when you can do the overseeding, the core aeration, all those type things to get your lawn back thick again. But just with the realization, because it is a cool season lawn, that next year the same thing's going to happen when the weather gets starts getting hot, let's say uh, maybe mid-June or something, all the way through uh, mid-August and you know even late August. So keep that in mind. And another thing is, uh, you know, fall seeding and sodding is by far the best. Why it's not being, you know, why that's not being pronounced or, let's say, established, this is by far the best time to overseed for your bluegrasses or fescues. Not right now. I'm talking about when the weather starts cooling down. So early to mid-September, all the way up through early to mid-October. So if you've got a cool season lawn, just keep that in mind. Let's head out to Union and go into Joyce's yard. Hi, Joyce. Hi, Mike. Hi. So thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I've got a lilac bush that gave me problems earlier this year, and it had some kind of a fungus, and that got resolved, and it was looking pretty good. And now all of a sudden, some of the leaves are turning purple. They're turning brown and falling off. And on this on the branches, there's some like green, fungusy looking stuff, spots of it. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about what's going on, the you know, the stems or branches or anything else. And just the leaf drop is just probably a result of, again, the, you know, the weather factor as much as anything. You think, well, my neighbor doesn't have, has a lilac and it's not happening to them. But it's individual circumstances, individual situations, and that's, you know, that's what's causing it. Well, what about the leaves? Some of the leaves turning purple. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I don't know exactly what's causing that, but uh, you know, the discoloration or the coloration is probably not, it's not going to indicate that it's anything other than you know what's happening. If you could go out there and rub the purple off, which I know you can, uh, then that might be a fungus factor. But uh, again, anytime, and this is with anything. Any plant that has something kind of unusual, be it what's happening to you or with any kind of tree or shrub that starts dropping foliage prematurely or for whatever reason, always keep that debris picked up because it could be, I mean, re-estab- or let's say re-inoculating on your, that particular shrub next year. So just keep everything kind of cleaned up. Okay, and so if the brown leaves are still on the bush, should I cut them off? Uh, you, if that's probably a lot of work, they're going to ultimately fall off, I would assume. And if they, if they haven't fallen off by mid to late October, I'd say go ahead and you can cut them off at that time. But other than that, I'd wait and again, pick up the debris whenever you do. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And phone lines open folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, no fertilization on your roses after mid-August. So whether you've got knockout roses, whether you've got traditional grandiflores, floribundas, or any type of miniature roses, anything else, no fertilizer at all after that point. If you start looking at your azaleas and uh, you start to see a pale green to yellow coloration, well, guess what? You need to get a soil test done. And you really, for all your landscape, you need to have a soil test done because with the azaleas, rhododendrons, holly, if the discoloration in the leaf that should be a darker green, that indicates that the soil pH is probably high. 
and you're going to have to also, you know, make a adjustment according to what the pH is. So you're going to have to add iron sulfate, and that's going to change the sulfur, changes the soil pH, and then the iron will help green it up. But it's not going to happen, you know, all at once. So just keep that in mind. And uh, again, soil testing. If you've had problems in your lawn, just kind of in general, or you just don't know, you know, the soil chemistry, get a soil test done now because you can make those changes in September when you have to do or you might want to do a lawn renovation. So the soil test will indicate not only pHs. So in other words, if it's too alkaline or if it's too acidic, it also indicates if you've been using the same fertilizer for extended periods of time, that could be problematic if, like phosphorus, could be extreme levels of phosphorus and potassium. And when that happens, that could also be a deterrent for getting adequate growth. So just, I mean, all kinds of stuff, been testing. It's just like with people, you got to get it done to find out what's going on. So let's go now to Beverly's, and she lives in Afton. Hi, Beverly. Hello. Hi. Uh, my question is uh, petunias. They get leggy after you have them there for a long time. And is there some way to encourage the bloom that they used to have? <laughs> Basically, what you should do is find out what variety that you bought. And not, I mean, there I are petunias. A wave. It's a wave. Yeah. Really, the waves are generally not supposed to elongate. That's one of the kind of improved hybrids. But no, there's not. I mean, you can cut them back and see if you can get another bloom set. You should be able to get you know, another sequence of blooms. But so cutting back will help? Yeah. That's about the only option you have. Okay. So does the foliage, right. foliage look good and everything else? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it gets real long, and, it, yeah, the foliage looks okay. Okay, so because if the foliage is discoloring, <laughs> then that means you no, don't. No, they're not. No. Okay, good. So, and you you fertilize them and everything else routinely? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, like every two, every two to three weeks. Uh, well, I don't know if that often, but I do fertilize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because usually the wave petunias don't elongate that bad. But, uh, uh, you know, okay. Definitely cutting back will encourage the chances of having some more flowers. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And Evelyn lives in Maryland Heights. Hi, Evelyn. Good morning. I have a question on some boxwood shrubberies that I have. Um, is this a good time that I can kind of trim them back? They're getting kind of out of shape. Uh, basically, we've still got some probably some scalding, intense sun coming. So if you prune, you could get some sunburn on them. So I would wait for another month or so and then prune them back at that time. But get, if you're going to do any kind of pruning this time of year, basically, you know, or early in the fall, get it done quickly. The ideal time to do the pruning would be in the springtime you know, before the new growth begins, because then the new growth will help kind of, let's say, hide the, the, the pruning that you've done. So just be really careful about when you do it as far so, as... So then possibly I could do it in maybe September, October? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, probably sometime mid-September to mid-October. That would be the latest I'd probably do it. And the reason for that is because... It's not sunburn, but we don't know what our winter is going to be like. And if it's a severe winter, it could do some damage to the, the branches of the box where it's been pruned. Okay, I appreciate your help. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And let's go to Milstadt, and that's where Eric lives. Hi, Eric. Hi, Mike. How are you this morning? Very good. Hey, I had a question. I had actually called last week, and it, 
in it was a question regarding I had some of this 0.38% barricade turf fertilizer uh, sort of acting as a pre-emergence. And I thought you said when I talked to you last week that it wasn't a good time to be putting that down. And then I was listening this morning, and I thought I heard you saying that this pre-emergence was good to sort of get rid of the weeds that are that are be, will be coming. So is it is now a good time to put this down or not a good time? It's a little bit early. So the, what happens if you put it down early, what it does is create, a let's say, a barrier on the surface. And you put it down too early, and what can happen is you're walking on it and everything else can kind of break that barrier. So by just doing it a little bit later, I'd probably wait at least for uh, another week or so before I put it down. And then you got all the way from mid-August to the end of August to get it down. And then another question regarding that. If I was going to aerate later on and uh, maybe put down some uh, some grass seed to over or to overseed it, is that okay to do that like in September or in October then? Yeah, I would do it a little bit later because basically all these, the, say the henbit or the chickweed or the annual bluegrass, all those seeds are going to be germinating probably fairly soon. And so as far as after, let's say, kind of around the first, late August, early September, and then... Yeah. Give the pre-emergent a chance to kill off as much as you possibly can because then if any kind of work that you do on your lawn is going to break that barrier, which is that's what the whole thing's all about. Okay, so put the, put the barrier down in another couple of weeks and then wait till latter part of September and to aerate and put some um, uh, overseed. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So sometime Thank between mid-August to early September, that's when the pre-emergent should go down. Okay, thank you very much for your service. Sure, my Bye-bye. pleasure. And now let's go to Overland, and that's where Kathy lives. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Mike. Hey, when I go to Home Depot or anywhere else like that, I want to get a pre-emergent. I'm always confused as to what to get and what's a good name because it looks like it's all bunched together and it's not merchandised well. Can you can you give me a couple names so I can just grab the bag and go instead of looking and just being some more confused? Well, there's just there's so many different varieties. I can't really mention you know one because you could go the, wherever you go. So just you know either look online, you know, go to the you know, actual company's you know let's say website or whatever and see what you know uh-huh. what's recommended, and that would and probably you know rather than a big box uh-huh. store. Go to a garden center that's there year-round. They're going to be able to spend a little bit more time with you and advise you, this is your lawn, this is your scenario, this is probably what I'd recommend as opposed to this as far as a pre-emergent go. But, you know, for yeah, the, the box stores are cheaper, though. <laughs> oh, that's very true. <laughs> you know, it is a little safe for money. Right. But, yeah, because yeah, I'm always so confused. Is this pre-emergent? Is that pre-emergent? Because sometimes on the on the on the package, it doesn't say pre-emergent buy for this fall. You know what I mean? Really? You kind of have to figure it out. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm always confused. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll have to be a little more diligent, and I'll try to uh, narrow it down. Right. That's probably the – I mean, because I, if I mentioned, like I said, uh, in the past, I used to mention a particular – you know, a couple of different products, and then consequently sure. – People would go, and this this particular store doesn't have it, so then they're really even com- more confused. I understand. I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Okay. okay, well, thanks so much for your help, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. 
Guess what, folks? You're interested maybe in planting some cool season vegetables like lettuce, radishes, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, spinach, turnips. I don't know about turnips, but anyway, you can go to your favorite garden centers and they should have those vegetable plants available. You get them in the ground now and then you'll be able to harvest uh, probably in a couple months. So that could be some real fun. Like with lettuce and stuff like that, even quicker than a couple months. Let's go now. Where should we go? Let's go to Tom's yard, and he lives in St. Louis. Hi, Tom. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Good. So I have a question about uh, the Japanese, uh, variegated Japanese uh, uh, decorative grass. So this is some very hardy stuff, I know. Right. Uh, If I cut it down in the middle of, in the dead of the heat of the summer, will it come back? Uh, Chances are it could but it may not. So you just got to be really cautious about doing it. It's not recommended to do that. Okay. Give me a ballpark, the odds for me. 50, 50. What? <laughs> Let's see. 37, 63. So no, I mean, you could try it and call and say, you don't know what you're talking about. See, I cut it back and now it's really, so why, why do you want to cut it down in the middle of summer? Well, actually, this is a customer that I have that oh. we cut it down. We normally cut it down in the you know in November, right? When yeah. it's dead, but but uh, there are some drainage issues on the side of his house, and some very healthy variegated uh, uh, decorative grasses there. And uh, I've never actually seen it in the summer because it's, you know I go over there in the fall. But it just looks beautiful. But we've got to do something about this drainage issue, and and a couple of the. Uh, the grasses, the big stalks are, you know, they're, they're five feet in diameter. Right. And they're huge, but to be able to address the drainage issues, we have to uh, cut that down. Well, if you cut it down, that's fine, but the root system's still going to be there and that's play, you know, that's playing more of it than the above ground growth. Well, it's, it's the, the problem is, you know, we could actually do the job without cutting it down, oh. but do you want that stuff in your face when you're trying to dig? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. You know, some of the varieties have kind of a razorish like blade edge. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, sure. So you have to be really cautious. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Sure, Appreciate my pleasure. And now let's head to Lynn, Missouri, and that's where Mary lives. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Hi. It's good to talk to you. Um, I've been most of my life. I've been trying to identify a weed. My dad always called it Lespedeza back in the fifties and sixties. But the closest I can come to identifying, it, it looks like black medic. Probably but, is. Well, it blooms It blooms rose. It doesn't bloom yellow. Really? Really. Hmm. I guess it I could mean, be a weird hybrid, but uh, that's kind of... Well, sa- yeah. Oh. Picked up the color from something else. Right. Oh. But it was around as long as I can remember. And... You know, I'm just curious what it is. Right, and I mean, any kind of bro- any kind of like we be gone or something like that will kill it. Oh, let's see. Yeah, I don't use I don't use any of that okay. stuff. So, I have a a zoysia, a healthy zoysia lawn in the sun, but I have a lot of shade. Oh, and a partial shade. So the you know if I can cut if I can cut it real sharp, you know if it's really moist, the zoysia can kind of take over, but. Otherwise, it kind of likes to go on top of the zoysia. Right. But I exactly. just, that's, and the yeah, zoysia having a chance of, you know, g- doing successfully growing into an area like that, you're talking about, you know, with the shade and everything else is going to be somewhat minimal. 
Oh, right. And I just use like a Shady Mix lawn okay. you know, seed. And okay. it really works well. But there's still the bl- the black medic type weed. Right. And so, and I just sometimes, I don't know, I don't use insecticides or herbs, anything. So I just, I just more curious about what it is. Okay. So it looks the closest I can identify is, is black medic. Yep. Sounds like it. Yeah. Okay. And you don't think you, there's nothing else that you could say it is, right? No, not from your description. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's kind of a small, it kind of spreads and it's got that small little clover like leaf, but it's not clover. Right. Exactly. Uh, Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. You have a good show. Sure. My pleasure. And yeah, with that too, also, if you snap it off, it will have like a white sap. So that's another good way to, you know, determine uh, what's going on with it. Uh, Avoid pruning trees and shrubs now. Pruning now will promote new growth. It could. And then what happens is if it does encourage some new growth, guess what? We've got winter coming and there could be some winter damage to the new growth. If you start to see a bunch of like webbing on your plant material, uh, generally if it's good sized webs, it's regular spiders and they're catching all kinds of different insects. Spider mites, their webbing is very small and you're not gonna it's not gonna be pronounced enough. You have to kind of look for spider mite webbing. So if you see a bunch of spiders or a bunch of webbing on any kind of plant material, don't get into a panic or anything else. If you think you might have spider mites, best thing to do is to take a piece of white paper out and the branch that you might think you have spider mites on, put the piece of white paper underneath it and then shake that branch. And then if you do have spider mites, you're going to see a bunch of little red flicks, specks, that are running all over the place. And so that's how you know if you have spider mites. You still have an opportunity to get, you know, mites under control. They can really do some major damage to the plant, you know, plant material no matter what it is. And uh, this is a time of year where you're going to start to see powdery mildew, which is like kind of a white cloudy stuff on different kinds of foliage, whether it be flocks, whether it be zinnias, whether it be lilacs. And it really is problematic only from an aesthetic standpoint. It really doesn't really warrant going and trying to use a control. So just keep that in mind. So guess what? KM Walk Garden Hotline, Mike Miller, and I will be back after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, and this is the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can give a call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We're here. We can discuss caring for ups and downs related to annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, houseplants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take to have success, but strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board, that's James. He answers the phone. He's pushing all the buttons, so he's producing today. Uh, During the week and weekends, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. 
You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage there, there's my email address and phone number, and you can contact me. Even if you'd like to give a gift to somebody of a walk and talk, contact me, and I'll email you a gift certificate that you can give to the person that you're planning on giving the gift to. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I've given the tip of the trial many times, and I will continue to do that to Brightside St. Louis. They've been cleaning and greening the St. Louis area since 1982. And now, even though it's so hot and everything else, If you want to have a nice, cool thought in your own mind, well, you can order your spring flowering bulbs from them now. Now, they're not going to be delivered right now, but you can have them whether you want them delivered, mailed to you, or package-wise sent to you, or you can pick them up. It's strictly up to you. And they've got all kinds of different ones as far as uh, tulips go. There's a pink impression, and there is the bright side Guess what? Red tulip, which is a great one. I like that one a lot. And then from a daffodil standpoint, there's the uh, Carlton, the Pink Charm, the Tahiti, the Slim Whitman, the Barrett Browning, and the Shuda. So exclusive mixtures and everything else. Brightside St. Louis, like I said, has been helping St. Louis out for a long time. And they have a tremendous demonstration garden right there on Shenandoah where Shenandoah and Kings Highway meet. And uh, it's just, it's a neat, it's right across from a library. So guess what? Nothing could be better than supporting Brightside St. Louis. And if you want to do, maybe order your bulbs online, just go to brightsidestl.org. That's brightsidestl.org. Or you can give them a phone call or call them up if you want to, 314 772-4646, or you actually actually can mail in an order if you want. So three different ways, online, calling, and then you can just fill out the form and mail it to them. So tip of the trial goes out to Brightside St. Louis. And why don't we get a couple calls in before we take a break? Let's go to Steve's yard, and Steve lives in St. Louis. Hi, Steve. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Very good. Well, um, I've heard you talk about this Roundup that it's a different Roundup than what's usually at the big box stores. It's more for a woody, hardy plant, I guess. Right. Where do I get that? Uh, Basically, anybody that probably sells, you know, any of the Roundup should have the one for this. It'll probably say poison ivy and woody plant killer. Man, I haven't seen it anywhere, and no one seems to know what I'm talking about. Really? Wow. Yeah. So, I've been well, to hardware stores. I've been to the big box stores. I've been to a couple nurseries. Well, that's strange because I have some myself, and I've been—I forget exactly where I bought it, but uh, I've been <laughs> using it on a couple different things. Well, I've gotten, you know, like from the hardware stores or some of the garden stores, they'll tell me they have theirs, which is similar, which will kill everything and i just don't know whether or not to try it right well read the label it will tell you exactly what it'll kill i mean regular roundup kills herbaceous things very well yeah <coughs> Sorry. yeah but i've got a bunch of i've got some ugly lawns now if oh, it's, well. 
If it's lawn, it will kill the lawn. There's no getting around it. Well, I meant, you know, surround the fence line and the easement lines, all that. All that's the ugly stuff. Vines are growing on the the chain link fences, and they're big and stocky now. Right. That's why I wanted that, that other roundup. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why it's not available. Maybe just check online and see. Yeah. Again, it's yeah. Roundup for killing poison ivy and woody plants. Why they say poison ivy first, I'm not sure, but I guess that's something that everybody's, like, scared to death of. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And, uh, Elaine, how are you today? Elaine lives in Creve Corps. Mike, I... Uh have a water line break in the middle of my front yard, which, of course, they then had to dig up. Uh, I have a zoysia lawn. How can I get this grass to grow back uh, at this time of the year? Basically, you're going to have to go get some sod. You're not going to be able to because, and it's going to be the soil, it's, you know, they probably brought up subsoil, and it's going to be really, really, really horribly difficult to even have success with even buying sod. So, it's I mean, it's just going to be a tough situation. Should I wait to buy the sod in the fall, later on in the fall? Well, they're not going to have it later on in the fall. Zoysia becomes, let's say, not available as the season gets you know cooler because to, for it to get its root system established, as the weather gets cooler and the days get shorter, it's going to be very, very iffy. So probably, I would say, after mid-September, you're not even going to see any kind of zoysia available at the garden centers. But I would get the soil prepared, you know, get the soil straightened out, prepared, and everything else before you worry about putting the sod down. And how do I do that? Yeah, you know, get a lawn service to come out and take a look or a landscape contractor or something like that. What you're going to be doing is what they should be doing is adding organic matter into the subsoil that you have, mix it, blend. So don't just like lay it on top of it because that's not what has to happen. It has to actually be mixed in with the existing subsoil. Gotcha. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMWS Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Work or play? KMOX is right there with you. We go where you go. Yes, folks, if you do happen to have a zoysia lawn, this is the last month when you should be doing any kind of fertilizing to it. So make sure that you do get it fertilized because, I mean, it's going to do a whole lot better. And it's a little bit early to be doing any kind of fertilizing on your cool season lawns because you could cause some real trouble with that. So if you do have any questions, concerns, or comments, we've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As I said before, we're getting near the, you know, towards the end of this month is when you're going to be putting the pre-emergent down. And weeds are very optimistic or opportunistic. And they germinate and do best when your lawn is a little bit thin or weak. And the reason why they can be really invasive, super invasive this time of year in cool season lawns is because this is the month when they're the weakest. And there could be all kinds of weed seeds that are there beyond just the ones, the annual weed seeds that I'm talking about. So they do not, uh, guess what? 
they're not really eaten all that often or that much by soil insects or microorganisms. So in other words, they're really just tough. And they're going to be right there, ready for germination as soon as the temperatures are just right. So weed infestations can just be overwhelming. And they really indicate the soil growing situations and a lot of other things that uh, are really tough. Uh, some of the examples of ground ivies can be found in shady areas, and which can't be, t- you know, the lawns, t- grasses, even the cool season and warm seasons just don't do really all that well in shady areas. And the annual bluegrass thrives in other adverse conditions like wet, shady areas as also. So there's all kinds of stuff and aggravations and everything else as well. Now these, I'm speaking of mainly the annual cool season weeds that will be germinating later on this month. And But there are plenty of other weeds that are out there. I was at a house the other day, and uh, they had a lot of nutgrass. And nutgrass, if you don't know exactly what it is, it usually grows where the soil is you know, wet. And if you're unsure, the stems coming up out of the ground will feel triangular. So, And that nutsedge or nutgrass or whatever you want to call it, to kill it, you got to get a specific herbicide to kill it. Regular herbicides, I mean, generally an herbicide which will kill everything, like Roundup, will kill this. But if you want something that will just kill this off in your lawn, get like a sedge ender or something specifically for killing nut sedge. Cindy lives in St. Peter's. Hi, Cindy. How are you? Good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. I've got a grass question. Um, I live in a townhouse, so I am not doing my own yard, my own yard work. Okay. Um, I overseeded this spring with a shade mix because I have a big tree, and so most of the yard is shaded. And it was doing really well for a while, and then it just all died. Um, I don't know if they over-fertilized. I had somebody else tell me that they probably cut it too short, too quick, and it stressed it. Um, any clues? Should I just overseed again? Pretty much. I mean, to be honest with you, a shady spot mix, the shade is very important, yes. But, you know, the tree roots are extremely important, too. So the tree, the lawn grass that you're putting down, whether there's a shady spot mix or anything, has to compete with the tree roots. The feeder roots of the tree are very near the surface. So a lot of times that's a limiting factor because you may have great success, let's say, having a shady spot mix maybe last, you know, longer than what this particular one did if it's a shade of a building versus a shade of a tree. Okay, that makes sense. So consequently, um, so consequently, I'd plan on just you know getting seed pretty much every you know every September. Then you can have it go through all the you know all winter long and look pretty good, and then it will look fine all the way up until the weather gets hot in the summertime. Okay, so I'll just keep overseeding, and because I don't think there's anything else I can do, I don't think that I want to rip it all up and sod it. No, because um, it, you'll end up exactly where you are two, you know, two years from now. Oh, yeah. Then, no, we're not spending the money. Right. Okay. So, Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. So every year you can put seed out in September. That's a, the prime time. But also you can do a little seeding in May, and that may extend the time when it looks adequate or pretty good, but it's still going to head downhill 
just because it's a cool season, you know, type of grass seed. And then consequently, the other, uh, you know, the other stuff is not going to do as well. Or because it is cool season, it's not going to do as well during the warm season grass situation. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And as I said before, many of the, you know, annuals, you can have another nice flush of blooms out of them all the way up until it's going to be weather dependent, but almost all the way till Halloween. So by deadheading, so in other words, you cut off the spent flowers and uh, you can cut them back too, not just with the flower situation, but the, you know, the foliage and everything else to make them a little bit thicker and denser. If you've been growing chrysanthemums and are you buy, I was at the, I forget where I was the other day, but they had big pots of mums that were just hugely bloomed, and they were really budded. I mean, they weren't in blooms yet, but they were going to have a great number of uh, blooms. Now these are, you know, these mums are perennials, but to get them in the ground and make and so they can get established and survive through the winter time, that's going to be a little bit iffy. So, but in the future, if you want to have mums, you basically got to buy them in the springtime. Grow them and pinch them back multiple times before you start letting the flower buds set. So just understand that that's what, uh, you know, mums that you're buying now and from garden centers and everything else that are well-budded, that are really kind of bushy and look neat, they're almost like an annual type thing. They're going to give you maybe four to six weeks of flower at the most. And if the weather gets hotter, it's going to be a little bit less than that. So anyway. Let's head out to Eureka and go into Art Yard. Hi, Art. Hey, good morning. How are you? Very good. Hey, I have a, an odd question for you. I have a plant that was a, uh, a volunteer that I, from a bush that I planted in, in my yard. It's, uh, and I found out that it's called fish mint. Um, it's uh, an Asian uh, invasive thing. Uh, the uh, spelling of the plant is an H-O-U-T-T-U-Y-N-A cordata. I don't know how you pronounce it, yeah. but they call uh, they call it fish man. It smells like raw fish. Ooh. Uh, and uh, I've had a heck of a time trying to get rid of it. It's been probably four or five years, and it spread through part of my yard, and I tried to kill it. And I actually went back with a potato uh, um you know, potato pork and tried to dig up the ribosomes. The ribosomes look like spaghetti in the ground when you dig them up and it keeps coming back. I've, uh, I've rounded it up several times. I put black mat on top of it. Uh, it's even gone underneath the sidewalk, um, you know, four or five feet without ever, without ever popping to the surface. It's crazy. I've, I've never seen anything like it. It's I call it a Frankenstein plant. Do you have any idea how I can get rid of this stuff? Basically, what I would do is, you know, just take Roundup, don't dilute it or anything else, and paint it right onto the foliage. And if you, you know, that's about. I've done that. I've even got little little bitty. When you pull up the uh, the roots, uh, they even any any little piece that's left will germinate again. I mean, I it's been five years and I'm still fighting it. Wow. Uh, so I've never seen anything like it. I'm just, it's crazy, um, incredibly invasive. Um, but if you haven't heard about it, <laughs> I'm out of luck, I think. Yeah, probably then I'd advise you to sell the house and run away. 
<laughs> I love my house. I don't want to sell it. I want to, I want to just get rid of this stuff. It's it's nasty. Okay, I, I was just curious if you if you had any ideas for me. Yeah, sorry. It sounds like you're doing everything you possibly can, and you're just kind of yuck. Oh, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's it's a, a weird weird thing. I've, I've I've never been associated with it before. Anyway, well, thank you very much. I yeah. appreciate it. Also, have you tried the the Missouri Botanical Garden website? No, I have not. Yeah. Go to mo m o b o t and then dot org and put that weed in there and see what they what they may recommend. I will do that. I will do that because it's. Uh, I hate to see it get started here, and uh, because it's it's impossible to kill. Yeah, it um, sounds like. I mean, it. I, yeah. Anyway, well, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. It. And thanks, Art. And let's go from Eureka up to Florissant and in the bees yard. Hi, B. Hello, thank you for taking my call, Mike. I have a question. I have a forsythia bush, and for some reason, the foliage is beautiful on it, but this year I only had like two blooms on it. Um, I fertilized it last fall, and I don't know if I did something wrong or what's going on with it. Generally, if you're not getting flowering on something like a forsythia, did you do any pruning to it? Uh, last year, yes. Uh, did you prune like in the summer or fall? No, I did it in the fall. So that's the time when you cannot prune. Oh, okay. So the best time to prune forsythia is right after it flowers in the springtime. Because if you prune okay. in, and, let's say, and mid to late summer. And, and leave it go. Yeah. So if you prune in mid to late summer or fall, you're cutting off the flower buds, which are already form or forming. I see. Okay, well, I did it wrong. <laughs> the other question I have is, last fall I called you about um, my wajuria bush. It, it looked like it was dying from the inside, and it was, and you told me just to cut it all down and take it out. Well, the weather got bad, and I didn't get an opportunity, but I did cut it down to the ground, and I just wanted to let you know it's all back this, came back this spring just beautiful with the little red trumpet flowers on it and everything. it I thought it was gone because it's like a 15-year-old bush. Right. But it just came back. It's not as full as it was, but it's still very beautiful. All right. So thank you for your information about cutting it down. Right. Well, great. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, well, I you know, pretty interesting shrubs. There's no getting around it. They're very beautiful when they bloom. Right. and. Uh, it was like about seven foot tall, and I guess about four or five foot wide, and then the inside, just the inside of it, started dying. Right. So, that's cause that's the oldest part, and that's you know the part that's going to be aging and you know go downhill first. Right, but it looks really great now. All um, right. When should I cut it back? Should I wait till wait until after it flowers and then prune it at that time? Well, this is the second time it's flowering. Oh, great. <laughs> so, um, so just wait till later on in the fall. Yeah, then. either that or just don't prune it at all. Just leave it alone. Okay, that sounds great. I can do that. All right. Well, thank you for your information. You have a great day. Sure. Thanks, B. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Get the inside story on what's happening with your St. Louis Cardinals this season directly from the Redbirds manager. It's the Mike Schilt Show, Sunday mornings at 1015, sponsored by Bath Fitter on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. 
Back to the phones we go, and we're going back to Florissant. And Nora, how are you? Hi, Mike. Hi. I have I have a ewes in the front of my house, mm-hmm. which were was a bush, but now it has grown into a hedges. And I had them trimmed in the springtime. Now they've grown out again. So is the temperature too warm for me to have them trimmed now, or when should I? Yeah, you probably shouldn't prune them now because the sun's still pretty intense, and it might sunburn the branches, the tips of the branches that are resulting from the pruning. I'd probably wait until the weather cools down a little bit and get it done before, let's say, October or you know, mid-October at the latest. And the reason why I'm saying that is because sometimes pruning, and if we have a severe cold snap very early, it could do some damage. But uh, if you get it done by mid-October, you should be fine. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. But definitely don't prune it when it's, you know, the weather weather is this intense as far as heat-wise, and the sun's still pretty resilient. I thought it would be because next week's supposed to be extremely warm. So I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't have them trimmed now. You're right. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Love your show. Okay. Thank you for having me on your show. And now let's go down to St. Genevieve and see what's going on with Ron. Hi, Ron. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Uh, Way back in the the late spring, all my fruit trees had tons of blooms on them, whether they're apple or peach or nectarine. And then we had that that late frost. And uh, this year I got Zippo on, on fruit. Is that, was it just damaged because of that frost? More than likely, yes. So was that kind of just a one-off, or is there something I can do in the in the future to prevent it? No, I mean, that's strictly weather-related, and, I mean, you can't, unless you want to build a greenhouse over them or something like that, but no, there's nothing you can really do. Great. I, I appreciate your, your advice on that. Thank you so much. Sure. Yeah, and, I mean, not everybody had that happen, so it depended upon the exposure and, you know, individual circumstances, you know, kind of prevented because i've seen several fruit trees still look you know pretty good but another thing too with the fruit trees is once you get to see the flowering that's perfect once the fruit starts setting you should probably take about half the fruit off so you don't get any major branch cracks due to the weight of the fruit unless you want to like support them with some kind of you know boards or something like that so sure yeah i've seen some some beautiful fruit trees in the city with with lots of fruit, but right. we got with a, a late freeze over here. Right. And so, yeah, okay, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, and uh, like I see, as you're noticing, in the city, because of the protection, this, you know, wasn't quite as severe in every location. Now let's go to Oakville and into Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, the guy that called about some... I don't re- really didn't hear if it was an invasive weed or an invasive grass in his lawn that was driving him nuts. Uh, we have the same thing, but it's bent grass in our lawn. And the guy who's now doing our lawn told us to go online and research, you know, for bent grass. So we got this product called Tenacity, T-E-N-A-C-I-T-Y, spelled just like it sounds, Tenacity. And... It's it's a little expensive. It was like sixty dollars for this little bottle, but you only use a very. It's got like a, a syringe that you pull out. Like if you're doing a just a tank sprayer, you know, if it's one gallon or two gallons, it's just a small amount of this product, and spray it on the whole lawn. But it had a very long list of other weeds 
and grasses that it would take care of. So I was just calling to tell uh, the man that called in, I hope he's still listening, to research that product and, you know, to uh, just try it. I mean, you know, you you advised him to move out of the house, run away, which, yeah, I mean, that's what this bent grass just comes up beautiful in the spring and then it, it falls down no matter what we do it, it cut it short or whatever. It just falls down and looks like, you know, a horse is laid on it or something. So it's driving my husband completely crazy because he loves to have the lawn look nice. So anyway, we've sprayed, you know, sprayed it. Like I think he sprayed a couple of applications and uh, I just wanted to recommend that to him or recommend researching it to see, I don't even know exactly what, you know, he was talking about, but this product could probably take care of it. Well, great. Well, thanks. I greatly appreciate your input. Thank you for the show. We love it. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Remember, if you weren't there, I would not be here. So, Thanks, Linda. Have a great weekend. And you do the very same thing, and let's go to Joanne's yard, and she lives in Chesterfield. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, when can I seed a, a fescue lawn? It's a little bit early. So, I, you know, if you do it right now, it could germinate. That's fine, but it could be a little bit stressful. So wait for another couple of weeks, you know, towards the end of the month. That's going to be a better time. And just make sure that if you're going to do some seeding that you're not going to be doing any kind of herbicide application at the same time. Okay. Does it, uh, does it require a lot of watering? Well, yeah. I mean, initially, you're probably going to have to water every day. Okay. For probably like the first two weeks or so. Because you don't want it to, you don't want to water for a few days and then have the seed germinate. Because seed germination this time of year, this is the ideal time. And why is that? Because the ground is warm. Ground temperature is what encourages seed germination and root growth as well. That's why this time of year is much better than the springtime for the, you know putting the seed down. Now, also, what you can do now though is you know have if you haven't had it done recently in the last couple of years is something called core aeration where they have a machine and they like take plugs out of the ground and that uh, you know enables the ground to breathe better and ideally then you would put compost down on top of that and that would fall down in the hole so you'd be feeding your soil and that will help feed the new seed as it germinates and everything else okay thank you so much sure my pleasure yeah, if you don't, if you put the seed down too early, it's it's just going to be kind of a waste of your money. Now let's stay in Chesterfield and go f- into Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Hi. Good to hear your voice. Um, I just have a comment, um, and I my sympathy goes to this young man that has that wild weed. Right. It is not bent grass. It is Hutonia came from Japan as a variegated ground cover, oh, I don't know, six, seven, eight, ten years ago. I, too, have been fighting it, and I wish I had an answer. So I know it's not bent grass. I know exactly what it is, and it's really just hideous, and I hope nobody buys it ever. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, too, that the – I think for a while it was being sold as a ground cover because it had some different kind of colored foliages. If it's if it's everybody the, bought it, 
<laughs> you know, because it was going to be the great answer. Right. Well, it's not. <laughs> Just like dandelions being brought over from uh, Europe years right. ago. <laughs> or anyway, yeah, or honeysuckle shrubs, which came from Japan. <laughs> right. I do have another question. How uh, if I bought uh, a tall yugas? I need something to hide a particular area. It, or like the green giants, what kind of a wheat, uh, a root spread do they have? Well, I mean, they get pretty big, so they're, they're not, the arborvitae in general are not as aggressive, nor are the junipers, as some of the other tree root systems. But uh, you're still going to have trouble, you know, up in close proximity if you're trying to grow something right near the base of where the trunk is and everything else. Uh, no, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of equipment for a pool. Oh, you know, pipes and things. Uh, I don't think that was, should be a problem. All right. I mean, well, I can't I've, swear to that, but I sure. Really, you know, I don't think it should be. Well, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks, Mary, and also, yeah, the hutunia was sold because it you know was coming out as a ground cover very aggressive very aggressive very invade you know invasive that's why you, people wanted it but for the for this gentleman to take 5 years and hasn't been able to kill it off yet i mean uh, that's kind of surprising so anyway Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. We'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. This is a rockin' show. And let's head up to St. Anne and go into John's yard. Hi, John. How are you doing this morning? Very good. Good. Uh, I got uh, hostas, and, and it looks like it's pretty well burned out, but I also have it surrounded by uh, that invasive violence. And I wondered if, if, if it's perhaps not only the sunshine, but could the, the, uh, the surrounding of the, the plants be uh, adversely affected by all, all the violets that are around it? No, the hostas are pretty darn tough, so... About the only thing that really impacts them adversely is going to be direct sunlight. So the violets, you know, are kind of complementary. They're symbiotic as far as a relationship with the hosta, but no, it's not causing any kind of problems from the standpoint of your hosta foliage. So, so direct sunlight is not good for hostas. No, not at all. They want to be in shade. I mean. Yeah, Basically, they don't have to be in shade all the time. Depending upon the variety, some of the varieties are going to be much more tender than others. But uh, what, let's say, from ten in the morning till in the summertime to probably six at night, they don't want to be having any sun strike them because they're going to get sunburned. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah. Some of the varieties, and especially if you get any of the variegated ones with white in them. Or the thinner leafed ones, some of them that have kind of a gray bluish uh, leaf, they're a little bit tougher, but still they're going to get sunburned if they're in that hard, you know, that harsh direct sun. Thanks a lot. Sure. Thanks, John. And now let's go to Edgeyard, and he lives in Ladue. Hi, Ed. Hi, Mike. How are you doing today? Very good. I've got a strange situation going on, Mike. I've got uh, three lilac bushes, two of which are very, very, very old, like. Hundred years, and a new one that I planted about three years ago, 
They're all within about three foot of each other. Uh, a couple of years ago, one of the lilac bushes started to uh, leaves curled up and turned brown. Uh, I removed those stems, figuring that they were dying off. And, uh, subsequently, that that other old, the same old lilac did the same thing in the, in the following year, and now in the third year, it's gone to the newer bush. It's doing the same thing. That whole bush is now turned brown and leaves curled up. I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's a little bit tough to tell. The new one, you know, usually with lilacs, if they do that this early in the season, I'm assuming it's in the full sun, you know, that all three of them, they're pretty close proximity to each other. Sounds like, so it sounds like you're trying to create an impact as a result of planting them in close proximity. But uh, what you need to do is just kind of leave, leave them alone. There's nothing that's going to be, you know, done to it. Lilacs like, uh, an alkaline soil, so in other words, they don't want to have an acidic soil, so that might be a factor as a result of this. And they also they don't want to have any kind of extra fertilizer. But they're colonizers, so there should be some you know new stems coming up out of the you know off the root system below the ground. And if they're yeah. if you're not getting that, then it just says the overall you know shrub is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. I did find a couple strange-looking bugs on one of the bushes the other day. Is there any chance that could be a part of the problem? No, bugs are not going to turn the leaves, let's say, brown. Uh, what they're going to do, they could call, you know, cause discoloration by scraping the underside of the leaf and things like that, like a thrip or something along that line. But uh, usually just bugs chew holes. Uh, yeah, and I, I see no evidence of that. Yeah, so... It sounds like uh, probably this, you know, the particular location. And if you have some that have lasted as long as you think they have, I mean, that's pretty substantial. Well, I know they're at least 60 years old. Yeah. And so for the young, for the new one to have that, uh, that kind of just indicates that, uh, you know, not necessarily the soil is going to be all that bad because the other ones have survived in that situation. But the one that's only three years old just hasn't really got itself well established yet. Mm. Okay. So let let nature take its course. Right. And just, you know, in the springtime, take a look at it. Hopefully the foliage will come out and just, uh, and you don't have this problem. Okay. Thank you. Yep. My pleasure. And let's see if we can get one more call in. Ella, how are you today? Hi, I'm fine. Uh, we have a maple tree we set out uh, a year ago, uh, Mother's Day, and uh, the top half is uh, all dead. The bottom half is beautiful. Uh, do you cut that top out or what? Yeah, I probably, are you, sh- well, you could either do that or just leave it as is. Now, what you can do is take, how high is this tree? First of all, about seven foot. So the branches that are, are basically dead, can you actually reach up and get in contact with those? Yes. Yes. Okay. So basically the ones that are dead, just take your thumbnail and try to scrape the bark off a little bit. If it's green underneath where you've scraped with your finger, with your thumbnail, then it should, that branch should be still viable. So, in other words, the top of it has suffered as a result of the crazy weather we've had in a newly installed plant. So, in other words, it didn't have an adequate root system enough to send, let's see, grow the nutrients and moisture and everything up to the top of the tree. 
So if it is green underneath, just leave them alone and wait till next year and see if it leaves out okay. Okay. I appreciate your help. Thank sure. you. Yeah, my pleasure. And for everybody, again, a couple things I want to repeat. It's been extremely dry. They're predicting rain, basically not predicting 5%, 10%. So keep things well watered because going into wintertime, the worst thing that can happen going into wintertime is a situation where the ground is dry. Why? Because when it's, the ground is dry, then there's air pockets in the soil then cold air sinks into those, and that can do some damage to the feeder roots of the plant material. And the feeder roots is what absorbs nutrients and moisture and everything else. So you got to make sure that going into wintertime, all the plant material is well watered. So why not start watering now and keep it really well watered as we go into towards the end of summer? So anyway, Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.